I see some familiar faces from last night. Would you stand with us this morning? Isn't it good to be in church on this Christmas morning? Where else would you rather be? Father, we give you all of the glory. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus, and we thank you for being willing to come. To pay the price for us, we are so grateful. We celebrate you this Christmas morning.
us a hand clap this morning. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Father.
Sing it, oh. 
Hallelujah. Jesus, we hail you. Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, we thank you. We magnify your name. Thank you that you came to the earth. Thank you that you were willing to come. Thank you that you gave your life for us. We worship you. We magnify you. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You know, when we say Merry Christmas, what we're really doing is we're celebrating Jesus, our Savior. That's really what we're saying when we say Merry Christmas. We're celebrating. Jesus came to the earth. The Father was willing to give his Son. And the Son was willing to come. Hallelujah. And as our Savior, we have deliverance. As our Savior, we have healing. As our Savior, we have peace. As our Savior, we have provision. Thank you, Father, for giving your Son. And on this day we gather because it is about Him. And this is our celebration. The life of Jesus. The giving of Jesus. And we pray, O oh Lord, that the families of those represented here and in the sound of our voice that those who do not know Jesus, Father, we pray that you would send labors across their path, that you would soften their hearts to the things of God. You would supernaturally open doors and give us opportunity to tell them about Jesus. Thank you, Lord your presence increased upon our lives and upon the church of Jesus Christ in this last year, in this next year. Many more would be swept into the kingdom of God. That hearts would be hungry. That hearts would be open and receptive. That the church would rise in glory Walking in the word of God. Walking in the love of God. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, if you can agree with that, say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I appreciate these guys. Didn't they do a beautiful job on Christmas? Thank you. Beautiful. We appreciate you. Uh, and uh, before you're seated, why don't you uh, greet several people around you. Tell them Merry Christmas. Give them a hug if, they, if they're a hugger. If they're a hugger. And then you may be seated. Merry Christmas to those of you who are worshiping with us on Facebook and YouTube today. We are glad that you've joined us. Amen. Well, if you are worshiping with us today for, a first, for the first time, we're so glad that you chose Christmas as your day. Amen. And in front of you, you'll find in the seat pocket a Connect card. And if you wouldn't mind just filling that out and putting it in the offering as the ushers come by, give us a little information about yourself. And as always, if you need prayer or have anything you want to communicate to us, you can use that card. Now, in Kids Church, we, uh, as we've mentioned before, each week we give the kids doer dollars uh, for coming to church. I think they get, how many do they get for coming? Is it 50 or 100? Does anyone, I should, 20? It's been like that for about 30 years. Inflation, we're trying to teach them like, Old-fashioned values. <laughs> anyway, 20, they get 20 for coming to church, and then they get 100 for saying their Bible verse, and they get 500 for bringing a friend. And, uh, but we have never done this before. We told them, if you come to church on Christmas, that's a sacrifice. Well, no, it's a... It's a um, not a sacrifice. It's a blessing. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, we told him we would give him 500. Well, my grandson reminded me this morning about the doer dollars because I was going to give them out, you know, as they came in or whatever. And then I said, ah, I'm going to do it in the service. And he reminded me about the 500 doer dollars. Thank you very much. I would have forgotten without your help. And then just because I'm like St. Nicholas's wife, I guess, I'm in a jolly mood, and I go, shoosh, 500 is cheap. We give them 1,000 for their birthday, so they should at least have 1,000 on Jesus' birthday. So all children here who are here in Kids Church, which, of course, they are the uh, staff. <laughs> if there's staff, uh, ministry staff and volunteer staff children, not all, some. Anyway, come up here. And Katie, you give them their doer dollars. Will you give them their doer dollars? Oh, yeah. Here's the young man who reminded me about it. There you go. K uh, Katie's going to give you her doer dollars. I told my granddaughter she could run. It'd be the only time this morning she could run in church. Yay, Carson. Yay, Jaden. Oh, yay. More, more, more. Come running. Come get your doer dollars. <laughs> They have a little store they redeem those doer dollars for the first of the month. 
Are you cleaning? What are you doing? Oh, okay. Praise the Lord. Amen. They deserve those. We're going to give you an opportunity to give this morning. Uh, the ushers are going to come forward. We're going to receive our tithes and offerings. You could find uh, offering envelopes in the seat around you, or you can give electronically. Um, we uh, uh, will still receive offerings today for the orphans that we've been doing so for um, uh, this past month. We have about $12,000 Thank the Lord that have come in to give towards our or orphan project. Hallelujah. We are grateful for that. Amen. Just designate on your envelope any money that you want to go to orphans, and we'll be sure that it gets to them. Lord, we worship you with our tithes. We worship you with our offerings. We thank you that you multiply it. We thank you for meeting our needs in abundance, and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, family, after you've had the chance to give, would you stand up this morning and worship with us again? It is good to be in the house of the Lord on Christmas morning. Amen. Even if you haven't had a chance, you can still stand with us. Go ahead. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let all their songs employ while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and Yeah. 
Come on. It makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness and wonders of His love and wonders of His love and wonders, wonders of His love. Sing joy. Joy, unspeakable joy, an overflowing well, no tongue can tell, and joy, unspeakable joy, it rises in my soul. bless your name. We exalt you. We worship you. We thank you for your goodness, for all the wonderful things that you've done for us. But we thank you, Father, that greater things are ahead. We bless you, Holy Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Here we are on Christmas Day, celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And with the Christmas story, we talk about the Holy Spirit overshadowing Mary and bringing forth the child. We rejoice with the shepherds who were notified by the angels the multitude of heavenly hosts. We look at the circumstances that caused prophecy to be fulfilled where Joseph and Mary gave birth to Jesus in Bethlehem, not in their hometown of Nazareth. But there's a part of the Christmas story that we rarely ever focus on, and it starts with the time of Daniel. Israel was taken captive, went into, cap went into Babylonian captivity. And the Bible tells us in the book of Daniel that there were children, probably teenagers, that were captured and brought to be a part of Nebuchadnezzar's council. 
they were schooled in all the fine arts and everything that, that they could be taught to become advisors to the king. There were these, there were Daniel and three other Hebrew children that were a part of this captivity. And it tells us that Daniel chose to put forth the keeping of the law of Moses. And so his diet was changed and it caused him to be healthier and wiser than all the other people that made up this council or people that were trained to be the king's advisors. The Bible tells us that Daniel interpreted King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. God revealed the dream to him and the interpretation thereof. And it seems from the account we have in Daniel that every time the king called on him for help, Daniel was there and he provided the help and the advice that was needed. The Bible tells us about the three Hebrew children that refused to bow down to the golden image of Nebuchadnezzar. You remember they were thrown into the fiery furnace. One of the things about that story that stands out to me is their response when Nebuchadnezzar examines them. He questions whether or not they refuse to bow down to his golden image. And they said, we are not careful to answer thee concerning this matter. They had already counted the cost. They had already set themselves in position where no matter what would happen to them or befall them, they would put keeping God's word first. So they were thrown into the fiery furnace and they came out and were delivered by the hand of God. And every one of these instances with Daniel and these other three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they completed their service in whatever event they participated in, they were given gold and silver and they were promoted to even higher positions that the king had established. It tells us that they became fabulously wealthy and men of great renown and authority in Babylon. It tells us after a certain account that Daniel was made governor of all the wise men. This pertains to the Christmas story in only one way, and that is Daniel and the three Hebrew children became the first order of Magi. So in Matthew chapter 2, 
If you'll turn with me there, we see the visit of the wise men. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. This word behold means amazement, astonishment. It's the wow factor of whatever's being spoken of. And Matthew, by the direction of the Holy Ghost, is showing us this is a wow factor event. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to, to Jerusalem. This uh, word that's translated wise men is the word magi. And they were saying, where is he that was born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard the, all these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Now, folks, get the picture here. These three magi appear in Jerusalem and they just start asking people, where is the king of the Jews? They didn't start off by going to Herod. They went through the city questioning and filling the streets with the idea that a king had been born unto them. Now these men were men of greatness. They were men of renown. They were men that carried a lot of weight because of the order that they were part of. There are times written by historians, Josephus and Tertullian, that catalog three times that they visited in Judea. I'm talking about the Magi. One of them was in Paul's day. They went to Nero, and Nero was concerned about why they would come. They carried wisdom. They were students of astrology, and they searched the heavens according to the wisdom that they had. And the very appearance of these magi could topple kingdoms. When Nero was very concerned about why they came, and history records it, that they showed up in a time that was very frightening to Nero. And it tells us, the historical account tells us of the great wealth that he brought to, to them to provide a, a gift for them in recognition of their status and their power in politics and world government. The amount of money that he gave them as gifts was recorded and it's astronomical. I mean, it's bank-breaking territory in every 
sense the word. The time that the Magi appeared to Jesus or looked for Jesus is identified in historical records as well. So when they show up in Jerusalem asking about this king of the Jews, nobody knows anything about it. Nobody knows who he is or where he would be. But Herod finds out that the Magi are there. Now we have some assumptions that we've made that are wrong about who these people were. These were people of such reputation and such wealth that there's no way that they would travel by themselves on three camels to get anywhere. The historical account tells us that there were 12 of the Magi, not three. The Bible doesn't tell us the number, but one of the assumptions that we make, the wrong assumptions that we make, is that because it mentions three gifts, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, that they brought to Jesus, that there were only three of them. But traveling, especially a great distance as they did from the east, would have necessitated that they brought servants with them, servants that would go ahead and pitch the tents for the night, and military guard or personnel. The Bible tells us one of the things that Paul identifies as one of the troubles that he encountered preaching the gospel was robbers on the highway. And so these men, especially carrying wealth with them, would in no way go by themselves on a journey or a trip this long. There's no point in us speculating how many people were in the company, but it would be a large number to provide safety and whatever comforts they could have on the, on the road that they took. So Herod sends for them to find out what they are doing there. And when it says Herod the king heard these things and was troubled and all Jerusalem with him, Herod was a crazy man when it came to people that opposed him. He had his wife killed because of a rumor that she was plotting against him. He had two of his sons killed because of another rumor that they were planning against him. He has established himself as a nutcase and someone that would do violence on tremendous scales. And so when Herod heard what the Magi were saying, he was troubled, and because Jerusalem knew that he was troubled or would be troubled by this, they were troubled themselves. So Herod gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together and demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, 
Art not thou the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may also come and worship him. And when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Jesus was not in Bethlehem anymore. Jesus and his family had returned to Nazareth. Now we know that Joseph was of the city of David, which is Bethlehem. That's why he went when the decree for the tax was given or made. And folks, there are certain things that I think we overlook and read over and don't even recognize the holes that are in the stories. If David, I'm sorry, if Joseph was of Bethlehem, that's where he was from. That would mean his family was there. But his family was apparently not there any longer because if they had been there, he would have lodged with them rather than going to try to find room in the inn. And the idea that we have that God picked Joseph, some dumb carpenter who didn't have means to buy but two sticks of wood to do his carpenter business with, is foolish. God would have picked somebody that was obedient to the word or cared something about the, the word of God, which was the law of Moses, and that's all they had. And his obedience and diligence to the word would have provided for him. We know that Jesus was cousins, first cousin to John the Baptist, and John the Baptist's father was of the priesthood. And so the idea that Jesus was born into poverty just doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit the, the narrative that the Bible tells us about God and his word. The Bible tells us that, that Joseph was a builder and a builder back then would be an architect as well as someone that could do the labor himself to build structures or houses or buildings. And he would have certainly been well compensated for his efforts So the Magi are now standing before King Herod. They were certainly smart enough to know Herod's history. They wouldn't have been fooled by him in any way whatsoever. And another wild moment in verse 9 tells us about the star. This star began to move and show them where he is. They didn't go to Bethlehem because that's not where the star took them. 
They went to Nazareth where Jesus had been brought up. So when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary and his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Notice it doesn't say that those were the only gifts they gave. Those are just the ones that are, that are specified. And the reason for that is because each of them pertained to some, uh, in some sense or some measure to Jesus and his death. Verse 12, and they were, being, they were warned, the Magi were warned in a, by God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, and they departed into their own com- country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take up the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Then Herod, when he saw he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he, when he had diligently inquired of the wise men this was fulfilled then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet saying in Ramah there is a voice heard lamentation and weeping and great mourning Rachel weeping for her children and would not be comforted because they were not after that it tells us that Joseph and Mary went back to Nazareth and tried to resume their lives as best as they could. But what was the purpose for the Magi? Why did they come? They said they saw a star in the east. So there was some change in the heavens, whether a new star appeared that had not been before, or whether the alignment of stars that are a part of our galaxy took place in such a manner that they were seen together as one star or one new star. But this star changes whatever it was that brought them to Jerusalem. It changes after they met met with Herod and were examined by Herod as to the purpose of their visit. So Joseph and Mary uprooted their lives and went into Egypt. Now they'd never been to Egypt before that we have record of. There was no job opportunities available to them. And so the gifts that the Magi brought to them would certainly have sustained them in their new home in in Egypt. There are, some, there are two interesting things about the birth of Jesus that I want to point out to you. One is the way that God got Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem to give birth to Jesus 
to fulfill prophecy was that he inspired Caesar Augustus to tax to, to decree a tax upon the people. And it says the whole world was in motion because of this tax decree. We see evidence of that that caused them to not find room in the inn, but to find a cave to give birth to the Lamb of God. God will put the world in motion if necessary to get you in the right place. Concerning the Magi, God provided 600 years before concerning Daniel and the wealth that he accumulated and the order of the Magi that began while he was still working and advising Gentile kings. If necessary, look at the planning and the action put in place by God himself to provide for his son in the day that he would need to be safe from Herod. These magi recognized the need of appearing before the king of the Jews and sharing their treasure with them so here's God making plans to meet the needs of his son 600 years before he would experience that need. So God will move the whole earth if necessary to get you in place, in the right place. And he'll shake the wealth of the nations to provide for his son. And because that son is our savior, and lives in us. He'll do the same for you and me. Let's pray. Father, we magnify you. We exalt you. We glorify your holy name. Father, we celebrate the birth of Jesus at this time of year. But Father, we serve our Lord and Savior Jesus, your only begotten Son, with all of our lives. Father, we thank you that there's nothing that you wouldn't do to provide for your people. There's nothing that you would withhold to bring your people into the right place. So, Father, we trust in you to bring your people to church. 
to the place of glory that's spoken of in the last days. And Father, we trust you to bring forth provision even as your word says that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. You've done these things before, Father. So we know it's not a hard thing for you to do it again. We magnify your name, Father. Holy Father. Worthy of all praise. In Jesus' name, amen. from you are all things to you are all things you deserve the glory you're worthy of it all you're worthy of it all in Jesus for from you
Paul wrote to the church, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. Father, we take this bread, we recognize that it represents the broken body of Jesus stripes that he took upon his back and by those stripes we were healed so Jesus we remind you through this act that we accept you as our healer along with our savior let's receive the bread After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Father, this juice that represents your blood, the precious blood of Jesus, which was spilled to redeem us, to make us righteous, to make us whole. We thank you, Father, that we are forgiven from all of our sin and we are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Let's receive the cup. Folks, I don't know about you, but this is a different Christmas. I'm not exactly sure what's making it different. But at the very least, we are in the right place in God's timeline. We are the church, the body of Christ. We are the church, the glorious church that Jesus is coming back for. So let's just worship him for a moment. Pour our heart, pour out our hearts to them. Thanking him for the goodness that his word has promised us. Reminding him with thanksgiving for the things that we are believing for. We worship you, Father. We glorify your holy name. We thank you, Father, for our redemption. We thank you for our healing. We thank you for your provision. We magnify you, Holy Father. 
Bless you, Father. Bless you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for all of the things that you've done for us. There's nothing too hard for you, Father. Therefore, all things are possible for us through faith. Blessed be the holy name of Jesus. Blessed be the holy name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless you, Lord.
let's finish the service with the things that we're confessing. This is our year of Jubilee. We expect manifestations of the Holy Spirit and power. We believe for financial miracles. We believe for miracles of healing in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you folks. Merry Christmas.